0: Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, you will get practical nutrition and health tips for both you and your entire family. I am a registered dietitian. I'll give you step-by-step plans to reach your goals, easy tips to stay motivated, and my favorite recipes that I know you will enjoy too. Nutrition and health doesn't have to be boring or grueling. Let's enjoy the journey while we strive to reach the destination together. So grab your water bottle and notebook because it's time to get started. How does the scale make you feel? I think for most of us, we have a love-hate relationship with the bathroom scale. It's like intellectually, we know the number on that scale is just a number, but the rest of our mind and our heart just struggles with absorbing that information and really believing it in our heart of hearts. And it's interesting, too, because that scale, as much as we, we don't want to know the number, we want to be beyond that number... The scale has this weird magnetic power that calls to us every single morning, just asking for us to step on it and define our fate for the day. I remember my first images of the scale. My mom, after getting dressed every single morning before going to work, would get on the scale and she would weigh herself. And I remember thinking at a very young age that the scale can make you feel lots of things. It can make you feel happy if you see a number you like, and it can make you feel sad and frustrated if you see a number you don't like. And so when it comes to the scale, we all have these weird rituals around how we weigh in. I would say for most of us, we will get in this on the scale first thing in the morning after we go to the bathroom. If you're really into getting the most out of your weight or getting the smallest number on the scale. um, You might even jump on the scale before you get a shower, not after, because then your hair would be wet and you would weigh more. We most definitely do not get on the scale after breakfast because then we're weighing what we just ate. And so if we want that lowest number possible, we'll do it first thing in the morning. Heck, some people even exhale when they get on the scale just to make sure that there's no extra air in their lungs as if that Fraction of an ounce is going to make a difference. But we all have these weird rituals around the scale and how we weigh ourselves and what we make that number mean. I remember a couple years ago, we had our own scale story in my house. So I figured weighing yourself is just as normal part of the day as anything else, like brushing your teeth or going to the bathroom. I saw my mom do it for years, and so I figured that's just what women do as part of their day. And so I remember a couple years ago, um, my two older boys were in competition with one another over who was bigger. My second son is 15 months younger than my first son. And so they are highly competitive in so many different things because of their close age. And my second son was actually really tall for his age at that point in time. I think they were around 11 and 12. And most people thought my second son was, was older because of his height. And so it became a competition. Who can be bigger? Who can be taller? Who can weigh more? And so my second son, Parker, he just started eating a tremendous amount of food because he wanted to win. He's competitive. And then all of a sudden, once he surpassed my oldest son, Jake, in size, in both height and weight, the conversation turned really dark. Because now, instead of Parker having bragging rights over being bigger than Jake, Jake turned the conversation into, wow, Parker, you're really fat. You may be taller but at least I'm not fat like you. And in no way am I condoning that that talk or that those conversations but they were 11 and 12 and they were boys and they were trying to execute their power over the situation. I get it. And so once the conversations turned darker, we started noticing Parker getting very fixated on the scale weight because he didn't want to be fat. He didn't want to be known for that because that's, you know, all his brother had to do as his defense to try to turn the tables. And so when my husband Jim started noticing Parker weighing himself in after meals, Jim did what any responsible parent would do. He threw out the scale. And as much as I supported those efforts and I understood why he did it, I internally was freaking out. Freaking out because... I know that's all well and good for Jake and Parker, but what about me? How am I going to see if I'm on track every morning if I don't have a scale to validate my behaviors? And I started realizing, wow, if the lack of a scale in my home can cause that much stress and anxiety, maybe that scale has more of a power on me than I'd like to admit. And I remember Jim telling me, if you want to weigh yourself, just go into the office and get on that scale. And of course, inside I'm screaming, but you don't understand. If I weigh myself at the office, I'll already have clothes on. I'll already have eaten breakfast. The number will be skewed. It won't be the lowest number. Isn't it amazing the power the scale has over our emotions? Sometimes that scale makes us happy, and sometimes that scale makes us sad. And other times, that scale makes us downright confused. So here's the deal. When you do all the things you're supposed to be doing in terms of health and, and portion size and eating better foods and your goal is weight loss and the scale goes down, it's motivating, right? It's motivating. It, we're encouraged to continue doing the positive behaviors because the scale on the number is getting lower. And the opposite is true. If we're sitting on the couch all the time, we're not exercising, we're not moving our bodies, we're not eating healthy foods, and the number on the scale goes up, we can understand that because it makes sense. I didn't do the behaviors, therefore the number goes up. I'm disappointed, but I get it. I understand. Where the scale gets confusing is when we do all the great behaviors and the number doesn't move. That's when it gets confusing because... I did all the right things. I should be validated. My efforts should be validated by the number going down. And sometimes that doesn't work. And we get very confused. For most of us, when we don't see our efforts getting validated, we wanna just give up completely. Why bother? Why am I doing all this great stuff if my efforts are not validated? The scale can also be confusing when we don't do anything. And yet the number stays the same, or maybe it goes down. You might have a weekend where you just go off the rails and you just, you know, eat a lot of stuff. You eat a lot of pizza, you eat a lot of chocolate, and you get on the scale the next morning and it doesn't move. And there's this little devil on your shoulder being like, huh, you got away with it. And you might even start to think, what else can I get away with? Right? And sometimes you can get lucky twice, and sometimes you can't. And so the scale can make us happy, it can make us sad, but a lot of times it makes us confused. Now, I shared with you in episode one that I own a nutrition practice, and people get on the scale all the time. You know, I personally would prefer not to have a scale at my practice. However, the people want to see the number. And sometimes you got to give the people what they want. I always have to laugh because when the people get on the scale, they always have all these excuses as to why the number will not be good. And I'm putting my, I'm making air quotes with my hands right now. You can't see that. But why the number won't be good. Um, I just ate dinner. Or um, what's another one people use all the time? Oh, I have heavy clothes on. Everybody goes to the bathroom before they weigh in at my office. We cannot keep enough toilet paper stocked in our office for all the people that go to the bathroom and empty their bladder before standing on the scale. One time I had a lady take off her glasses because she was afraid the few ounces of her frames would cause the number to go up. But then it's always funny because she can't read the number on the scale, and so she's squinting trying to read the number, and I have to tell her what it says because she can't see. One time, now this was really early on in my practice, I actually had a lady take off her pants because she was afraid the wool um, fabric was going to add more pounds than what you know she thought it should be. And so typically, I will say we have a keep your pants on policy at our office, Um, but that could happen. And people joke all the time, like, how many, how much of my clothes can I take off for this weigh-in? We let the scale control us. We struggle with the number. We want to make sure it says the perfect thing. And so for that reason, I struggle a lot of times because I'm not sure when to weigh my clients in. I typically don't like doing it at the beginning of the session because if the number is not what that client wants to see, he or she has already tuned me out for the remaining time of the session. They're angry, they're frustrated, they're trying to figure it out, and I may be offering solutions, but they can't hear it because they can't get past the number. But if I weigh them at the end, and the results are different than what they were expecting, we don't have time to discuss it. So that scale is a thorn in my side when it comes to trying to teach people healthier behaviors. And I get it. I get the whole thing because I felt it myself. I told you earlier, when my husband threw the scale out, I was freaking out inside because I need to know that that number validates me. And here's the thing, it doesn't. And we know that intellectually, but we have to get the rest of our head and our heart on board with that information. So let's talk about weight for a little bit, because probably one of the most common questions I get in my office is, how much should I weigh? And what they're referring to is, what do the medical charts say I should weigh? Or what do I need to weigh for health? You know, and that's a tricky thing. A lot of people are interchanging the word health and weight oh, I just want to be healthy. That's what they tell me when they come into the office because they think that's what I want to hear and those are the words they should say. But really deep down, they're saying, I want to be skinny. I'm just being blunt with you and I'm just being honest with you. And so weight and health are not the same things. For me, a healthy weight is a weight where you can move your body in the way you want to move it. It's where you can be without medications, and when I say medications, medications not based on genetics or heredity, um, heredity, hereditary, which word am I trying to say here? Um, Hereditary factors. Um, Some people just have high blood pressure in their family, and it has nothing to do with weight. Some people, you know, their pancreases just aren't that great, and they're diabetic, and it had nothing to do with weight. And so for those people, they need to be on medications. I'm never going to tell them that, you know, you if you lost weight, you wouldn't have to be on those medications because that's not true for every population. But for some people, their medications are based on their weight. You know, their cholesterol is elevated. Their blood pressure is elevated because they're carrying an extra 50, 60, 70 pounds on their frame. And so a healthy weight, is one where you might not need those medications because your levels are at normal or at normal levels where they should be when your weight is normal. Um a healthy weight to me is you know one where you feel good about yourself. It's one where you have lots of energy. And guess what? You can be at a healthy weight at 125, at 155. Heck, you can be at a healthy weight at 205 if you can fulfill all those qualifications. Weight is not always connected to health. And so if you can look on those charts and you can look at books, but nobody is ever going to tell you a specific number you should weigh because there's no, there's no definition. There's no defining number that equates with health because you can have health at any number of weights. All right. So for most of us, we have this number in our heads of what we think we should weigh. We think it should be the number that we were back in college, or when we got married, or before we have kids. And for a lot of us, that is just not a realistic expectation. Decades have gone by. Our bodies have changed. And so part of my journey as a dietitian and working with people is to help them have realistic expectations. And I never, ever, ever tell somebody they have to meet a certain number for a goal. Like, you know, I think it was in Weight Watchers or something. They have their goal weight. I don't ever give people a goal weight because you're never going to hit that number two times in one day. Our weight is constantly in flux. I always give people a range so they have wiggle room to work between. Our bodies have a natural set point. And I know you don't want to hear this because a lot of us want our weights to be lower than what our body's natural set point is just like you have a shoe size and just like you have your height and you have zero control over both of those, your body also has a natural weight set point. And the reason why we're so frustrated is because our culture and magazines have told us that we should be lower than what our body's weight set point is. And that's not okay. And I'm so thankful for all the body positivity movements out there that are showing people that you can be healthy at all sizes. We need to realize that health and weight are not the same thing. Now, I told you that because I'm a dietitian, I often look to science to help guide guide me in principles that I share with others. And so I thought it would be helpful to tell this story. Um, because a lot of us will ask the question, okay, well, that's all great and fine. And, and I know I need to maybe adjust my view on what my weight should be. But what does science say about weight loss and the scale? And so I'll never forget it. About, oh goodness, maybe five or six years ago, I attended an obesity conference to get my um, certificate in weight management. And mostly females were running the conference. And we were talking about all sorts of different things from bariatric surgery to medications to weight um, throughout the life cycle. Um, and I remember one gentleman stood up and he was a behavior therapist. And he stood up there and he talked about how if you want to see weight loss, you need to tell your clients to get on that scale every single morning. And for you listeners out there, I was fearful for that man's life because there were about 2000 women at that conference and I thought they were going to rush the stage and rip his head off. And so I think the scale is different between men and women. I think for men they can keep it objective. The number on the scale says this. And there it is, and that's it. But for women, we assign so much meaning to everything. Right? Think about it. When you were in school and you liked a boy and your friend was trying to find out if that boy liked you or if you could talk to that boy. And I remember we would dissect everything that boy did. Well, what did he say? How did he say it? What was he doing when he said it? How did he look? Was he smiling? Was he not smiling? Was he upset? Um, were his friends with him? Was he laughing? Was he joking? What were his eyes? What did they look like? Right? We assign meaning to everything. We do it now. I still do it. And I think it's so funny because now that I'm raising boys, my oldest son is almost 15. And I try to get information out of him. He's so black and white about everything. I like, go like, oh, did you talk to the girl? Did you, what did you say? What did she, you know, what was she wearing? What were you wearing? What did it look like? And he's like, mom, she was just there. And I, oh, it drives me crazy. I want the details. And the same thing happens when it comes to, to our weight. We assign so much meaning to it. Well, what does that mean? What do I need to do? What did I have to do differently? And we attach that number to so much more rather than just keeping it objective. And so, yes, that guy was telling us what science shows us, what studies show. If you weigh yourself every day, you may be more likely to lose weight. And that's not fine and great if you can keep it objective. But what he failed to mention during that conference is what about our mental health when it comes to weighing ourselves in daily. Because I will argue until the cows come home that weighing yourself daily is not good for mental health unless you are able to keep it objective. But being a woman myself and working with mostly women clients, I have not found that to be true in many women. That is the exception and not the rule. So let's talk a little bit about the limitations of the scale. All right. Number one, the scale cannot account for muscle mass, right? The scale is just showing us what our body weighs, what gravitational pull is pulling down on the scale at that point in time in history. But it doesn't account for fat mass and it doesn't account for lean tissue mass. Guys, if weight loss is one of your goals, we want lean tissue mass. We want muscle because our metabolism is based on how much muscle mass we have, And so for my ladies that are constantly struggling with that number and they're so fixated on the scale number, I like to show them pictures of really muscular women with their weights attached to it because they can start to break down the walls and the ideas that they have that in order to be skinny, you have to, you know, look, you have to weigh a certain number. That's just not true. I remember growing up, um, I'm 40 right now, and I remember watching the show American Gladiators. Did any of you watch that? It was on Saturday mornings. I remember watching it with my dad. And it was these really buff, muscular athletes that would go up against average Joes in different competitive, um, different competitions, Uh, like the Joust and, um, oh, I guess, what else did they have? They would like peg people with balls and you had to like get through or you had to do some strength exercises. And it was this whole competition to see if you could beat a gladiator. And I remember looking at the women and some of them, I remember this one lady and they all had like um, names based off of Greek goddesses or gods or things like that. And the one lady, I remember she was 5'3", 175 pounds. But this lady was ripped. And you would never in a million years guess she weighed 175 pounds, but she was just pure muscle. But she didn't look like it, right? And so sometimes we forget that muscle is a good thing. And if the scale has to be a little bit higher to account for that, so be it. Another limitation of the scale is fluid shifts. All right. So when you're losing weight, depending on what you're losing, whether it's muscle mass or fat loss, if you're losing muscle weight, a muscle cell is 70% water. And so if you break down muscle cells and you release all that water, you're going to see the scale go down. But that is not the weight you want to lose. That's your lean tissue mass. That's what we want to preserve so your metabolism can stay intact. If you are on a low carb diet or a no carb diet and all of a sudden you eat carbs, guess what happens? You gain weight. And it's not because you're putting on fat. It's because you're seeing a fluid shift. For every gram of carbohydrate that you eat, your body brings in three grams of water to digest that carb. So if you have some weird fetish about weighing yourself multiple times a day so you can see fluid shifts, by all means, have at it. But I know for me, personally, I don't want to know what my fluid shift numbers are. I don't care if I bring in more water to digest a carbohydrate because that number is going to go down a couple hours later, right? Our weight is always in flux. It's based off of what you ate. It's based off of fluid. It's based off of hormones. And for all you ladies listening out there, we've got so many hormones. That scale is always going to be moving. If you're a diabetic or even if you're not diabetic and you get your blood sugar checked, that number is always moving throughout the day. It's based off of what you ate and how long ago it was since your last meal and what your activity is. That number is constantly moving. So weighing yourself multiple times a day is never a good idea because it's going to mess with your head too much and it's going to defeat the purpose of what you're trying to do. You're trying to be healthy. You've got to account for your mental health. So, how do you know if you need to get rid of your scale? First of all, check your mood after you get on. Ask yourself if you're assigning meaning or worth to that number. You can, you'll know this is true if your mood is changing the minute you see the number. You'll know that you need to get rid of the scale if your mood is holding you back from doing the things that you were called to do. If you don't see a number you like and it's holding you back from, you know, being intimate with your spouse or putting on a bathing suit and going to the pool with your kids or speaking up at work about an idea you have or going out with your friends at night um, because you don't like the number and so you don't want to put on an outfit and go out with them. If any of that is true based off of what number you're reading on the scale, it is time to get rid of the scale. If you do choose to weigh in, I am going to tell you, I need you to do three things. Number one, you are only allowed to weigh in once a day. You cannot weigh yourself more than once. It's not fair. It's not fair to your mental health because remember, your weight is constantly in flux. You are not going to weigh the same more than once in a day. So don't do that to yourself. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Number two stop assigning meaning to the number. I want you to use the words that's interesting and leave it at that. Don't make that number mean more than it's supposed to mean. If the number is a little bit higher, that's interesting. If it's lower, that's interesting. But don't go into a long rant about Who you are as a person and your morals and your values and your ethics based off of a number on the scale. That's not fair. That's not kind. And it's not okay to do that. And finally, rule number three, if you're going to choose to weigh in, is I need you to use additional checkpoints. Okay? You cannot let the scale be your only value you're using to measure progress. You know, some people like to take measurements. There always comes a point in time where the scale is no longer helpful, and I switch people over to measurements because their body composition is changing, and the number on the scale might not reflect their efforts, and sometimes measurements do, or how your clothes are fitting. That's another way that you can check in how you're doing. I like for people to journal their energy level, their sleep patterns, their behaviors around foods you know, maybe even paying attention to their cravings and maybe those are decreasing. You cannot let the scale be the end all means of reflecting on your progress. You've got to use other methods because there's going to be a time when the scale is not helpful and then you're going to give up. And the last thing we want to do is give up. We're never going to give up. Okay. I remember the day when Jim threw out my scale and I was so anxious about it. But it was the best thing ever for my mental health. Remember, health is not just physical, but it's mental and emotional as well. All three need to be in balance. And it is not okay if one is doing great if the other is in prison. That is not health. Listen, you know yourself better than anybody else. You know in your gut right now what you need to do. And if the scale is holding you hostage, it's time to break up with it. And if you decide you want to keep weighing in, you must change your mindset with the information it gives you, good and bad. It's just interesting and you move on and you keep going forward in your day. That number does not reflect who you are. And the last thing I want it to do is let it hold you back for being the person you were called to become. All right, guys. I hope you found this information in today's episode helpful and you'll start to examine your own relationship with weight and the scale. Now, as I told you in the first episode, I'm going to end our time together sharing one of my favorite family recipes for you to try and enjoy. Remember, this podcast is all about the practical, so I'm going to give you the tips, but I'm also going to give you the recipes to make it happen. This week, I'm going to start out with one of my favorite favorite recipes from my favorite blog, Cookie and Kate. And Cookie is her dog. I'm not sending you to a baked goods website. No, no fear in that. Um, But Cookie and Kate is a vegetarian website. And I always tell people, if you want to eat more vegetables, invest in a vegetarian cookbook or look at vegetarian blogs because guess what? They have tons of vegetables in them. And so this past week, we made her spicy black bean soup and the whole family loved it. Now I'm not a spicy person, so I didn't put in as much red chili flakes as she called for and it was perfect. But if your family likes spice, then add more in. But you can go to her website, cookieandcake.com, cookieandkate.com, K-A-T-E, and you can find the recipe on there and try it. I think you guys will enjoy it as much as we did. All right, guys. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.